Welcome to the Bet on Me podcast, the ultimate resource for softball players looking to take control of their training and reach their full potential. I'm your host, Krista Stoker, and on this show, we'll be discussing everything from taking a holistic approach to your training to data-driven strategies for maximizing and growing yourself, not only on the field, but off. We believe that athletes should lead their own journey and push past any perceived ceilings on their talent. So join us as we explore the world of softball player development and help you bet on yourself. Because when you bet on yourself, you can't lose. All right, we are back for another episode, and I am so excited um, to have Amanda here. She's going to get into all of the work, amazing work that she's doing. Um, we had her as a speaker at Pitch Doc, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit, but Pitch Doc was an incredible event. Um, if you missed it, check out the videos because it was uh, just a great experience, a lot of learning. Um, and Amanda added some diversity to the topics, which I think we all need um, when we're talking in this space. So with that said, maybe if you want to start with just um, telling the listeners a little bit about your background, maybe that will lead into then how you got into the current space you're in, um, just sort of like what got you to where you are right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And Pitch yeah. Talk was so fun. So yes. I would always come back if <laughs> yeah. uh, the offer is open. But yeah, um, yeah my background. So I um, grew up playing sports. I've always been interested in sports. I played soccer, you know, all growing up. And I um, could not play in college, but I've always been a huge fan of women's sports. And so, um, yeah, that's just sort of like my sports note because it's not very long. Like I don't have a long career in sports, but. Um, yeah, I have a background in neuroscience and I have just always been sort of a science nerd and really, really interested in the human, um, interactions, human behaviors, and how all of that sort of plays into how you make decisions in life. And so I was actually pre-med, so I got into medical school. I don't know if I told you this before, but <laughs> I got into medical school. It was like two weeks in and I was like, this isn't for me. Like I've worked really hard to get here, but I'm not happy. I don't want to be doing this. This is not my people. And so I left. I deferred, moved back home to Pittsburgh um, and worked for a few years and then decided to get my MBA. So I got my MBA focused in innovation and product development. And from then I spent like 10 more years in healthcare. So I was all, all over the map really with small companies like startups, Fortune 500. I did consulting. I did industry work. And the core and the similarities between all of those sort of um, moves for me career-wise were all really focused on helping folks sort of um, understand, um, see opportunity for change, and then implement behavior changes in the organizations. And so that's been a common theme, sort of no matter where I've been or what I've been doing, it's, it's really been about um, change. And so in 2021, I left... Um, I left the company I was at, just decided to take some time off and really wanted to start working with someone who could help me understand from an entrepreneurship side. I'm sure um, your story as an entrepreneur um, is really interesting as well, but I, I think it's easy when you have somebody to help you think through sort of like what your next steps are. And so she was an amazing sounding board for me and helped me sort of put my interests and experience and passions into what I have um yeah, launched this year, which is Amanda Hazer Consulting. I work with women athletes who are transitioning or sort of current athletes that are wanting to think about the life sort of after sports. 
And so I do one-on-one coaching with athletes. I work with um, coaches and administrators in terms of like workshops or, you know, things like we did at, at PitchSock. And I also help with sort of like strategic partnerships if folks want to develop curriculum around this topic of the transition in particular. And um, yeah, just sort of how the athletes, you know, understand their identity beyond being an athlete and that their value isn't just necessarily baked into like the sport that they play and sort of how to transfer that. So, yeah, Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I, um, I have lately gotten into my own coaching. Um, and I think it's a space that, uh, we don't probably utilize enough. Um, and obviously when we think of athletes and we'll, maybe we'll get into a little bit of sort of specifically how you work with athletes, but you know, we think of this like group thing you have your community and you have um the ability to kind of talk with um your teammates and that support and everything and then you get after that and what i found is like especially as an entrepreneur and as a coach it's kind of like two of the lonelier the chapters um and you lose that sense of of community and and guidance and so um, I've more on the business side, but looked for coaches from that standpoint, because it does feel like, you know, you need help and support in those things. So I can imagine how athletes sort of transitioning to this phase, uh, really need that. So maybe if you can walk through, um, it's kind of, however you think it makes most sense. If you want to talk through a particular example or just generally of how you work with athletes, what that looks like, um, you know, yeah. how you kind of cope, what you coach them through that type of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. I may just take one small step back of like, um, while I was sort of doing the research of this industry, right? This is a new industry. The sports as an industry that I was going to walk into as an entrepreneur was a new industry for me. And so I did a ton of like, um, I have like so many newsletters. (laughs) If anyone needs a sports newsletter, I got you. Like I I, subscribed to so many, but I was sort of doing a lot of research of like, um, reading and listening to podcasts and things like that. And then my coach was like, Hey, why don't you talk to 10 people, talk to 10 people, current, former athletes, whoever you want folks around the athlete and just sort of get to know what their experiences are like. And so that turned into like 60. So I talked to about 60 women athletes, um, current, former who are now coaches, sports psychologists, right? Like anyone sort of in and around the athlete um, before I even launched my business, because I really wanted to understand from a qualitative and experiential standpoint, like, what are you going through? And are my skills and my interests even relevant for what they'd be sort of, um, wanting at the time or what they're going through. And so in those conversations, it was just incredible to hear. I mean, I'm such a nerd, like I want to hear everyone's stories and, I, I just loved it so much, but it was interesting after I would take my notes, right? I'm like taking all these notes and, and I look back on them and, um, a few themes like started to come up that I either resonated with me just as a human experience. Um, or I was sort of like, oh, wow, every single person has said this already, <laughs> you know, um, about feeling like the lack of a community and missing that sense of, having everyone working towards a common goal and feeling really passionate about that thing together or, um, you know, uh, feeling a little burnt out because this year, a lot of the, the folks I talked to were student athletes. Um, and so they're like, it's just a lot, it's a lot of work and you feel like, 
um, one of the athletes I spoke to actually just the other day, she described it as if you were like on a treadmill that you couldn't get off. Like Mm -hmm. every time you hit a, a, a goal, they move the goalposts. Right. And so there was this constant sort of, um, measuring up and, and wanting to sort of level up in terms of your play. And she was like the, the light at the end of the tunnel for me was graduating, like graduation. I wanted to just sort of be able to take that time to say, Hey, I'm (laughs) not going to work out. I'm not going to, I'm going to do what I want. And so I think anyway, there, there were a few common themes that really came through with, with the athletes when, when I started, um, again, having these conversations, which was really helpful for me because now that I sort of am working, I've launched my business, I'm working with athletes one-on-one, I've sort of developed a, a bit of a curriculum. Um, it's typically around six months, but everyone goes at their own pace, um, depending on where they are and what they're going through. And so the the real work that I like doing with my athletes is, is really about um, confident decision-making and feeling like, you know, without the structure of coaches and um, sports psychologists around you and your teammates and right, this whole community of people around you, do you feel like confident in making decisions in, in ambiguity? And I think that, um, you know, that curriculum is evolving. I'll be honest, right. I'm still like figuring things out, but we have that sort of goal at the end of our work where I don't, I don't necessarily see value in someone working with me for years. Right. I, it's about us, like I said, a six month commitment and um, we work towards sort of confident decision-making and I take them through different exercises. Like we did at pitch stock or um, really just listening and asking questions and, and sort of pulling together themes or insights that I'm seeing. And, um, just asking a little bit deeper questions there. So like, what are some key moments that come up for an athlete or issues that come up or what it sort of sparks them, um, to seek coaching or, or maybe they don't seek it, but you think those would be good opportunities for them to seek, um, help with something like what you can give them. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good question and it's definitely all over the map with, with folks, just as I think all of us, sort of, you need to be ready to do the work. Like, I mean, even the same, I'm sure for the the work you do with the athletes, right? Like you want to have folks that want to be there and, and want to be involved in, in the process. And so I would say there are sort of a, a few different ways that it typically work typically comes to me. I would say the first is a forcing function of like graduation, right? If, if you're playing a sport, you know, you're not continuing graduations happening and, um, we've sort of been introduced before or something like that. And it's sort of, it just is a natural sort of transition period. So I'd say maybe at the time of transition that it's happening is a common way that uh, a common time that folks come to me. Another one I would say is like a family or friend is sort of like suggesting it or saying like, Hey, even though maybe you've been um, done playing for a long time, right. And you're coaching now or you're, in another career, but maybe you're just not finding that same thrill or excitement that you had when you were playing sports and a friend um, or family member suggests it. Um, So it could be sort of later after, so you're not necessarily an athlete right now, but that was a huge part of your identity, maybe in your twenties or whatever. Um, And then I also think there, there's definitely been a couple of times where I've introduced myself to folks. I've talked about my work and I said, Hey, I know you, you know, you're, you're about to retire or about to go through this transition. And I'd love to talk to you and, and just sort of 
um, hear more about that story. And folks are like, I'm good. I got a plan. You know, I have a job lined up. I'm not worried about it. And I just say, okay, right? Like, what can you do? Again, people need to be ready and excited to do the work. And then a few months later, I'll get a, I'll get a text or an email and they'll just be like, yeah, I'd love to talk to you and just learn more about what you do. Because I think there can be a sense of athletes are very, uh, typically athletes can possess like a lot of, um, confidence and a lot of, um, you know, they can figure things out. They're persistent. They have these amazing qualities that have made them successful in their sport. And so I think, um, it can take a little bit of time maybe to let things just like settle and let them feel, um, ready to sort of come back and, and want to do the work. So it could be maybe a, a bit of an overconfidence in a big change, and then realizing like, hey, I'm doing okay, but it would be great to have somebody to talk to. And so I think those are just a few of the, ex- uh, you know, examples or experiences that I've had so far with folks coming to me. Obviously, we've talked a lot about this athlete who's sort of transitioning out of sport, um, which I think, unfortunately for now, you could say is a little more uh, happening earlier, a little bit for uh, female athletes. But for me, I work with a lot of teenage athletes, um, and we start to see some of the themes that you were referencing of like self-worth tied to sport and, you know, comparison or loss of community, these types of things that they start to come up for our athletes already. So I'm just curious what, um, some thoughts you have on obviously before I get to that stage. So, you know, I'm getting to this stage post-college where I'm transitioning out or post my pro career hopefully, um, where I'm transitioning out. And before I get to that stage, what is some groundwork that you think parents, coaches could be incorporating to, I guess, set an athlete up for success in that phase? Yeah, it, it's such a great point. And um, even in the, the research that is out there, it, you know, it suggested that two to three years before folks actually retire, you know, it's helpful to start coping. And so I think that it's never too early almost, right? Like you don't know when retirement is. So many athletes don't get to choose when they stop playing. And so to me, it's sort of like, this should be at the youth level from the beginning. Folks should be thinking about um, beyond sports and how how these sort of lessons are life lessons that your, your um, skills that you're getting are more transferable. And so, yeah, I think a few things that, um, I've just sort of noticed that coaches or, or parents um, can be maybe a little bit more attuned to or more, um, yeah, just like focused on with their athlete could be a few different things. I would say, first of all, being a role model is something that I think is so underestimated, right? If you're a parent, you're like, my kid's a tween or a teenager, like, are they really looking up to me or whatever it may be? There's a lot of attitudes, at least um, there was for me growing up. And so I feel like, um, don't underestimate that, right? Your actions and, and everything that you're doing are really empower, like powerful and impactful to your, your, your athlete, your kid. And so I would say being a role model, a healthy role model, showing like life and fun and um, value outside of sports is always like a great thing to do is just like a baseline. I think the second is really just like listening to what your players are saying or picking, you know, picking up on certain things um, that may be going on in their life and ask open-ended questions. This is, I know, again, it's like simple, but there's so many questions that I ask in a day, even to my friends, my family, whatever, that are yes or no questions. 
and you're not really getting much, you know, you're just sort of getting an answer. Yes. But you're not necessarily getting how they're feeling, what emotions are coming up, what else is happening. And so, um, I try not to lead conversations with my athletes. I try to say like, one of my favorite questions is just like, can you tell me more? Can you tell me more about that? Um, and listen, right. Listen and actually be interested in what they're saying and try to sort of take that as um, little points of data of like where they, where they are, what they're feeling again, what they're going through. And then the last thing I would say is just sort of um, rewarding and like complimenting your athletes on their, their values. And in, in, so if they're doing something really well, they're, they're persisting in and, and perfecting their pitch or whatever it may be compliment the value that they have persistence, that they're super determined. Don't compliment. That was a perfect pitch. You're such a great pitcher, right? I think those are small, just nuances that we can all sort of work on that can, can help sort of, again, um, show the importance of the value, the identity beyond athlete. It's not just, um, their physical attributes that are being rewarded. Yeah. That's so interesting. So one of the activities that you had us do at pitch talk was a pie chart and maybe you can kind of generally walk us through that, but it was about sort of understanding how you identify yourself and where you put those buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one thing I know is that that same activity, um, s- someone that works with us did with my teenage team. Um, I wasn't on those calls. So they had some, um, sort of like mental focused calls where I wasn't present to allow them to kind of speak, um, beyond me a little bit as their coach. But, um, what, uh, Jordan who did it with them told me was that the activity was extremely challenging for them. And it brought up a lot of emotion, um, which I think is interesting because we're talking about, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds who are having a hard time filling a pie chart with how they identify themselves. So maybe just walk through that activity because I think even at pitch talk with pitching coaches, uh, I think there's some people who are already diving into this that were really into it. And maybe others who were like, what does this have to do with me being a pitching coach? Um, but just walking through that activity and, and how you find that helpful for the athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, uh, Jordan did this with your team. Yeah. Um, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I feel like it's, there's so many different sort of flavors of, of the exercise, but what I had everyone do in, in the room was, uh, you know, create, uh, basically a pie with eight, eight different slices on your piece of paper, fill in the blank of I am a, you know, you could put a coach, a mom, an entrepreneur, you know, whatever, eight different sort of components of your identity. And I tried to describe that as like how you spend your time, like what you spend your time doing. And, um, so that was sort of the first step, put, put your, the pieces of your identity in that chart. You don't have to have eight, but you know, that was just, uh, the goal for the day. And then I had them shade in each of those slices of the amount of time they're spending doing that thing. So there were coaches in the room. So I'm assuming most of them had a pretty full, full slice of coach. Like that was pretty filled in. And then maybe there were other things, right? Like they, um, they're a dog mom and they like enjoy walking their dog. Maybe that's a little less because they're traveling so much or something like that. So the first step was sort of like fill in your time spent in each of those categories. And then the last step was really having them fill in or a number 
each of the slices one through eight of what was most important or valuable to you. So it has nothing to do with your, the time you're spending, but it's sort of like what positive emotions you get from that and, and how would you rank them? And so I had everyone do that exercise and then I just had a few discussion questions, right? Like, um, is there any sort of, um, difference between your number one and the amount, like, is it the one that's fully shaded in on your sheet or not? And let's have a conversation about that. And so we ended up having, I think a pretty, pretty healthy, you know, fun conversation in the room about, um, folks experiences and, and some, um, yeah, some things they would like to change or that seems sort of like, wow, I say this is my number one, you know, the thing I value most, but I'm not necessarily spending my time doing that. And so the goal really is, is just that is to have folks reflect on, take a pause, reflect on how they're spending their time. And if that's truly what they want to be spending their time doing, obviously so many of us have things we have to do and we have responsibilities and things that we need to do just to live, right? Like to make money and to, provide for our families. And I think that um, some people can see it as like a luxury to like think about, well, what else do I want to be doing? But, um, you know, even if it's five minutes a day, like taking a walk or whatever, I think there are definitely small steps we can take. And so it's all about taking that pause, identifying some areas of opportunity of, of where they're spending their time versus what they value. And what are some small steps we could take um, to sort of giving some more, um, yeah, some uh helping helping that basically yeah 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 and i think i to me this is and and maybe i just um see it more because of the the type of athlete that we work with but it's so clear to me how that does have to do with um helping athletes even before the sort of like transition out of sport and adapting so just talking about softball for a second it's a game of a ton of failure a massive amount of failure um you have, you know, you get one hit out of four and you have a decent day and you're the pitcher, you, you might win that game, but like also one home run could lose it. You know what the, the team could lose it for you. And so the outcome and the results can be really challenging. And that coupled with what I see from the teenagers, which is social media, where the mm. depiction of everyone they see is as though like, they're always performing and they're getting recruited exactly where they want to go and everything's just working out for everyone else. Um, it just creates a space where I often, um, just feel like the athletes are disappointed a lot, um, where they feel like it's just not going for me the way it's going for everyone else. And I'm like, it's, it's not going like this for everyone else either. Um, it's just a perception of what we see. And so I think the like toughness and the resilience that we all want our athletes to have. And we sort of historically have done that by like run tests and we're going to make you tougher that way. Um, to me, I see like when the athletes can have a separate identity, um, outside of the sport, that's really where resilience comes from. The most resilient athletes I've coached they don't get rattled by things like that or they do, but they can bounce back from it because that that's just not how they measure themselves or not how their family measures them. And they've learned that over the years. So to me, it's very clear, um, how it's related, but I think that that is something we as coaches can keep, uh, improving and getting better on. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, it's so, I, it's really refreshing to hear that from you um, in terms of coaching, because I think that, and I, I tried to mention this at Pitch Sock as well, but, you know, burnout 
I think any of us can relate to burnout in our lives, right? Whatever phase of life that you're in. But for me, I've noticed in athletes, you know, burnout does come when your soul, like happiness, your soul value is placed in this one thing. And then, like you said, there's a lot of failure in in softball and sports. And if that doesn't go well, then it's just sort of like, you know, you're just dragged down. And so to me, there's an accelerator in burnout of athletes when they only have one thing that they care about. And so to me, it's also very like, this is, you know, this is apparent, this is obvious that we should be doing this, but it's um, yeah, it's really hard because athletes and student athletes in particular are juggling so much. Um, Like you said, social media, the perception of things, but also just time management and um, you know, trying to get your work done. And yeah, there's, there's a lot that they're juggling. So it's, it's definitely not an easy balance, but Again, I think it's it's just important to take a small pause and to think about these things. So yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, wrap with that, but maybe if you can tell um, the listeners where they can find out more about you, where they can sort of um, learn more about how they could work with you on whether that's social media, website, whatever you have access to. Yeah, of course. Uh, so the website is just Amanda Hazer, H A Z E R dot com, and you can find a lot about my services and. Uh, things like that on there. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which I do blog posts and just sort of upcoming events through that. And then on on Instagram, it's just Amanda H underscore consulting and uh, LinkedIn is just my name, Amanda Hazer. So yeah, that's how you can find me. Awesome. Well, it was so great to chat with you. Um, I'm sure there will be more to come down this road because like I said, I think this is a really important piece that we need to keep incorporating um, in athlete training, but uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Krista. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining another episode of the Bet On Me podcast. Go out today, bet on yourself, and remember, when you bet on yourself, you can't lose.